0: The great land is bathed in the red light of dusk. Those seven days have almost passed. Travis. Drunk. And worst of all. (sighs)
1: It's Mike. Me, Mike. Say it. Say Mike. Me, I'm Mike. I'm here.
0: Previously on the wheelbarrow full of dicks, internet radio program.
1: Hey, John, when was the last time you had McDonald's?
0: Oh, uh, fuck me. Two goddamn <laughs> uh, women. Do they have McDonald's in Cuba, honey? No. Yeah. No.
1: See, I didn't have oh, They Cuba. had McDonald's everywhere, we didn't probably. Get to see, we never got to see the Dominican Republic. We were arrested
2: as soon as he got there. We didn't get to see anything except the jail. insight for the listeners.
1: We've done this three times, guys. We've been recording for 15 minutes. Um, just realized With, we weren't recording without the record button pressed. Yeah, you need that. That's we've been
2: important. Travis. Doing
1: this for a lot of years. It's a whole new ball game now, Travis. We're we're in uncharted waters. That's true. So, guys, we did the uh, fitting tribute to Kevin Conroy, uh, who, who died. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if You should have even mentioned it. If that's how you're gonna do it,
2: <laughs> why well, I'm not gonna do the whole thing again, Travis. We did. We did the tribute. We didn't record it, but we did that tribute. Seriously? You know to Kevin Conroy that's who amazing.
1: died. <laughs> yeah, we played this clip. It was really funny, guys. You missed it.
3: Fine. Oh, <laughs> holy!
0: It's not so bad. Smells like discipline.
1: That's definitely Kevin Conroy, Travis. I know my Batman. He's my Batman, and that was him. And uh, he was critiquing Harley Quinn's farts, Travis. Uh, it smells like discipline. Yeah, uh, guys. Coming up after the break, we're going to talk to uh, Alex Cody Foster. He's uh, he he wrote a a, a book, Travis. See, what, what he's a he's a ghost writer, and he hung out with John McAfee for. Six months, uh, he just followed him around and uh, they were going to write a book together uh, and it didn't work out. And-
2: yeah. So like if anybody hasn't seen the, uh, the documentary on Netflix, I highly, I highly encourage you to check it out because it's from. All intents and purposes, it looks like the last handful of years of John McCaffrey John McCaffrey's uh, life were
1: was pretty tumultuous,
2: to uh, say the least.
1: He's he's on the he usually writes uh, books for people. Travis, it's kind of interesting. I, I was uh, I was thinking about like w- what uh, what skill set that would best lend itself to doing that job. Like you know, would you be a novelist? Would you be you wouldn't be like a journalist because like you're taking somebody else's words and kind of molding them and you're not like an editor because you're constructing the I don't know I, I it's it's
2: it's I think it really job. is almost like an editor right like because you're what you're doing is you're gathering all the stories from the person like i would assume that it's pretty much stream of consciousness coming out of the the person's mouth uh if they're not writing their own book and then you're just like uh putting it into some sort of discernible order right like you have to take the beats that would actually create some sort of narrative because uh even if it is nonfiction, it still has
1: to be an entertaining story right did you see the eli lily stuff uh, eli lily they make uh they make insulin
0: yeah i did see this <laughs> <laughs> it's
1: amazing I, I have a, a a man explaining it, which I, I want to play you. This guy,
0: because this guy's great. You were not watching the shit show that was Twitter yesterday. There was something that happened that really blew things out of the water. Anybody could pay for the verification check. Somebody created an Eli Lilly company and verified it, and then said, "We are excited to announce insulin is free now." That went so viral that Eli Lilly had to turn around and say, "No, that's not true. This is the actual Eli Lilly, account. a pharmaceutical." Co- <laughs> I think they scrapped it now
2: oh, because now. There's a bunch of people I follow like uh, I follow uh, one person in particular that did it as kind of like a test They're like, oh, I'm going to pay this eight dollars and get verified. And sure, shit, you got verified. But if you've followed the news in the last couple of days, uh, they've dropped the Twitter blue verification. And this guy who paid the eight dollars for his checkmark lost his checkmark, but they're not giving refunds. (laughs) So he's like tweeting up a storm like what the fuck, guys, as well, Uh, he should. you wanted to charge me eight bucks for the goddamn check mark. The check mark's not there anymore. Where's my eight dollars? So that it only worked for a couple of days? It was just a handful of days, you know, because all that controversy was going on where people were losing their mind over these goddamn check marks. Where if if you're so worried about it, you should really try to educate others on how to like look deeper than the surface. Like, because all of the people that are worried about these these Twitter check marks are only worried about it because they know most people only read the headlines without reading the stories. Yeah. No, Travis,
1: I hear you on all this, but I want one.
2: Well, yeah, get one. I, I don't think that's a problem. The, th- the thing that I have, a I want with is I want to be a
1: somebody Travis. I yeah, want to be a somebody.
2: somebody. <laughs> but the thing that I have a problem with is saying that, Oh, it's, you know, it's, it's going to mass disinformation. Well, click on the goddamn account and see <laughs> that this Eli Lilly has got 42 followers.
1: That's and, not possible. And also, they ain't going to give it to you for free. Are you kidding? Yeah, it's a pharmaceutical company. They're going to be like, oh, yeah, no, we don't want the billions of dollars anymore.
2: (laughs) Which is funny because, you know, pharmaceutical companies always were the devil. And then COVID happened and everybody was all on the riding the dicks of Pfizer and Moderna and Johnson and Johnson. Uh, They wouldn't (laughs) lie to us. No, of course not. Let's shoot ourselves up with whatever they give it. But now that uh, uh, somebody pretended to
1: give away insulin, uh, well, that's right. Eli Lilly is fucking the devil. It should be free. So, yeah, no, they said this goes on. They say,
0: uh,
1: hey, wait, why isn't it free?
0: A company who makes billions of dollars had to turn around and say, hey, no, you're not getting it for free. But what Elon Musk's little verification idea did to their company, they lost billions in one day. Billions. People are now asking questions. Why are we charging for insulin? What Eli Lilly really said is we regret to inform you that we will not be giving away insulin, a publicly funded invention that was given away by its creator to be given away to people so they don't die. The creator of insulin gave the patent away for free. But Eli Lilly is charging billions, and Elon Musk can be held responsible for that. You know
2: what this dude should do? What? He should create his own company that produces insulin and gives it away for free. <laughs> right? You know what yeah, I, mean? I mean? Like, like you, all these, you gotta all these go people get it, being
1: like... You gotta make it.
2: Yeah, all these people being like, oh, they should be giving it away for free. You know, these companies have lots of people working for them to create these things. You can't give away this shit for free. Well, it's not possible. They,
1: I do disagree with the overcharging. They're fucking, way overcharging for it. Trenton. Way like, overcharging, the, I agree with The United with that, States but. pays a thousand times more than everywhere else. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, our medical system... Pharmaceutical, medical, it is so fucking broken. Right. Uh, And if you've ever seen, and I know you have, the Adam Ruins Everything on how our uh, healthcare system got so broken, I would absolutely advise people to go back and check that out. Uh, It's fascinating. But at the same time, and I do find these pharmaceutical companies to be the devil for the most part, uh, minus the uh, anxiety drug and blood pressure drugs that I'm on. (laughs) (laughs) which which changed my life for the better but uh yeah you can't you can't you can't give away the shit for free who's gonna make it are you just volunteering to create these things uh, you know come on but maybe uh, don't gouge hey, the fuck out of people maybe, uh, yeah maybe maybe don't rape people for their life-saving drugs
1: <laughs> <laughs> maybe maybe like if somebody's gonna die he just uh you know, toss him a little something. Yeah, let's shoot you a little. Let's. Sh- I mean, even drug dealers give people a taste. <laughs> right. Yeah, give them a taste. You know what I'm saying, Travis? Give them,
2: give him a little bit. Give of a him taste. Give them a little something once in a while. Keep them coming back.
1: So I uh, asked him about John McAfee as uh, McDonald eating because uh, when me and Matt talked to John McAfee a few years ago, uh, <clears throat> I oh, thought- yeah, I couldn't remember if I was uh, involved in that or not. No, that was that was me and me and Matt. That's
2: too bad. That's a real bummer.
1: Um, yeah. Yeah. And uh, I thought that he said he didn't eat McDonald's, uh, but he didn't. He just said he hasn't had it in a long time because he's been in jail. So I fucked that up. So, yeah, when you hear the interview. Yeah, no, he didn't say that. I fucked that up. So, you know, it's been a while. We do a lot of these. We do a lot of these.
2: We talk to a lot of people. It's it's hard to, to know if we asked uh, John McAfee that question or if we asked Joe Exotic that question.
1: Travis, uh, I got a friend request on Facebook today from a friend of mine from high school that died five years ago, uh, and, and I looked, and I am friends with him still on Facebook. I considered unfriending uh, him for a while because mm-hmm. a lot of people like were uh, like sending him big long things on his birthday oh, every year, yeah. and it, it Miss was,
0: you it, was a, him. it was
1: getting annoying. Travis and I was like, well, I'm not going to unfriend. A dead guy i'm not gonna do that but i got a new friend request from a new him today oh and, yeah and it, like it has his same old picture and i'm trying to figure out like it, it did is somebody like uh assuming his identity like yeah a friend a friend of mine's mother and a friend of mine i'm 42
2: i think he's 46 Six, 47 so his mom is like in her 60s almost 70 or whatever and she is constantly getting hacked to the point where her regular account is fine but whoever's always hacking her which happens at least four or five times a year uh creates a new profile that looks exactly like her profile and then requests all of her friends to become friends with her and then she's got to put something out way later in the afternoon that says hey have you Got a friend request for me. It's not don't me. Ex- this is the real it. me, which don't is what the it. fake
1: me would say. Also, that's true. That's true. like, how do you know that you aren't friends with the fake one and the that's real like one's in, trying to get a hold of you?
2: That's like in those movies where they like the people look the same, the doppelgangers, and they're like, "No, don't shoot me, shoot him."
1: Yeah, and they're like, "No, if you know me, shoot him."
2: You know that kind of thing.
1: Travis, maybe Jason didn't really die. I haven't seen him but he could still be out there and like maybe like a fake him is the dead one. Oh, like uh Friday the 13th part 5. What happened in that one? It wasn't Jason. Who was it? It was the uh ambulance driver. The ambulance driver was pretending to be Jason? Yeah,
2: um because the way that the uh, Friday the 13th part 5 a new beginning uh plays out is that Tommy Jarvis uh from uh part four is all grown up and fucked up in the head. So he gets sent to a halfway house. Um, So he's, he's bunking with a bunch of crazies. And uh, there's like a really annoying fat curly haired guy who's always eating chocolates and trying to befriend this fucking uh, real scumbag. And then the scumbag ends up taking an ax to the guy and smashing his head in a bunch of times. Uh, he gets arrested. Obviously the dead kid gets put in an ambulance and then an ambulance driver looks at him like, oh, he's all sad. Well, it turns out that the ambulance driver was the father of the dead kid. And what he did was freak out, uh, put on a Jason mask and start killing everybody.
1: That kind of sounds like the latest Halloween
2: movie a little bit. Yeah, a little bit. And it's uh, really kind of goes to your point of the fact that, you know put a put a verified check mark next to the ambulance
1: driver that's Jason Voorhees baby right all you had to do is pay eight dollars eight bucks and he's the real Jason <laughs> guys what we're gonna do we're gonna we're gonna take a break and when we come back we are going to talk to Alex Cody Foster uh, he's our he's a writer man uh he he wrote a, uh, a book about his time it, it's a it's a memoir Travis a memoir about Uh, A couple of times in his life where some crazy shit happened. You know what I'm saying? I love it. I love when crazy shit happens. At Duncan, we understand you're already taking a hit status-wise when you show up with one of our cups instead of our hoity-toity competitor. That's why we've decided to start selling blue cups with check marks on them. Yes, they cost more for the same product, but you'll pay it. At first as a joke, but eventually because it feels good. You run on dopamine. America runs on Duncan. It's time once again for The Hollywood Beat with your inside source, Drunk. And this week, Drunk talks to Anya Taylor-Joy about her new film, Amsterdam, on
0: DVD and Blu-ray, December 6th. Do you ever just think on your way to the movie set, I don't have to do shit but just show up, look hot, and just be alive.
3: Like, that's the main note always. Just be alive. Yeah, just
0: sit back and exist in your hotness and your weird big hentai eyes that you have going on. Which,
3: when the first time you hear it, you're like, okay, I am alive. So I don't know quite what to do about that.
0: <laughs> who, who am I talking to? <laughs> <laughs> McAfee, a successful entrepreneur who went mad and killed his neighbor? Or is he the potential savior of America?
3: <laughs> this is a dangerous man. I have not found a human being who did not have a secret.
0: <laughs> Once again, WFOD, wheelbarrow full of dicks.
1: Our guest tonight is a number one best-selling ghostwriter whose new memoir, The Man Who Hacked the World, A Ghostwriter's Descent into Madness with John McAfee, is available now wherever you get books. Guys, Alex Cody Foster is on the program. The book comes out today, right?
3: Yeah. Uh, yeah I just series... got my copy. Wow. Oh, you just got one? Yeah, I just, you know, I got 25 coming from the publisher at some point, but you know, to get it. For promo purposes, I ordered it in advance. Wow. It was on pre-sale for a while.
1: So you just you just keep some in the trunk of your car in case you need to hand one to somebody.
3: And... Probably, you know. I, I mean, actually, all twenty-five are earmarked for family and friends. Yeah. So I'm gonna probably order, you know, like a hundred copies because I get it fifty percent off, and, and I'm gonna get it sent to the UK because that's where I'm doing my initial book tour. Yeah. The UK and Ireland. So I'm just gonna go around to pubs and you know, cool bookstores and shit like that and just hang out and sell it and read from it. So this is,
1: I mean, this isn't your first book, but is this your first book as you?
3: Yep, exactly. Yeah, I've worked on 40 plus book projects. I've written about 20, probably 20 plus I've written fully. Yeah. And this is the first one with my name on it. And it just so happens to be a memoir. It's about me. Yeah. But
1: it's specifically about your time working with John McAfee. You worked, it says you worked with him for six months. Is that?
3: Yeah, it was closer to like seven, but it's, so it's a one part memoir. Uh It's it's a memoir about how I became a ghostwriter. I lost my, I Uh became a ghostwriter, And so it's sort of before, before I was a writer, you were just writing regular.
1: And then this is kind of how, yeah,
3: I had lived on the streets of Los Angeles when I was 19 years old. And it kind of fucked me up. It changed my life and my perspective on things. And I lost my mind. So for two and a half years, I was just traveling the world, this sort of homeless vagabond yeah, and writing all the while trying to get better. And I did a four month journey by sea through the inside passage to Alaska. And when I got back to Seattle, I had my mind back and I decided that day I wanted to become a writer. I was 21 and I became a ghost writer that same year. I've been doing it ever since. And so part one is about that story. Mm -hmm. It's a bit shorter. And then part two is about my time with John, because for six and a half, seven months, I had unprecedented access to him more than any other writer representative of the media. And how how did that come about? How did,
1: did he heard about you through somebody else and contacted you?
3: Yeah, he heard about me through Jimmy Watson, who was his executive advisor at the time. Jimmy... And I knew each other through some crypto community connection because I was sort of the ghostwriter of crypto for a while. You know, I knew a lot of the founders and I was working on their books and I pitched it to Jimmy Watson. I said, hey, man, I'm in crypto already. I know all about blockchain technology to some degree. And I've been following John for, you know, years. I'd love to write his story. And I was 25 at the time and I ended up getting the job because John found out that I used to be homeless and that I went crazy and I lost my mind. That was the only reason he hired me. And he thought that was interesting, I guess? He used to say that he only hung around people who had walked through the fire. Oh, And by that, (laughs) yeah, exactly. He said, otherwise you're boring. You're wasting my time. And if you're telling me these like stupid slice of life and yet normal stories, I have no interest in you. So he surrounded himself with murderers, drug dealers, uh, people like me who had been homeless, who had lost their minds. Sure. Um, you know, all the darkness of humanity, he was attracted to it. And he surrounded himself by it, you it, know, like it, Colonel Kurtz.
1: It seems like he was always surrounded by a bunch of people. Like, but he, he seems like an anti—I don't, I don't know the man. I interviewed him once, and it was, yeah. it was really weird. Uh, but, but like, he seems like an antisocial guy, but he's always around a bunch of people.
3: Uh, he, yeah, it's sort of ironic, isn't it? He's this cult of personality or yeah. he, sorry, he was this cult of personality. And I think to some degree, having all of these yes men and yes women around inflated his ego, which was already massive. <laughs> and it also, yeah, you know, yeah. it gave him a sense of importance <laughs> and it made him feel like a king, which he always emulated he always felt like a king anyway um but to be honest a lot of the time john was hidden in his room he was he was hiding behind like a reinforced steel door with tons of guns and shitload of cameras watching everybody taking bath salts doing drugs drinking all day long so Um, he was just
1: in another room watching the people that he was hiding from and
3: exactly yeah yeah they called it what they call they called it like the fortress or something they called it the fortress. The Tennessee home had this room that had only one access point and that was controlled by him. And he had more guns than God in that room, you know, <laughs> <laughs> he could he could take over Canada from that room. I swear to God. But that's not saying much. So, so we gotta... you were around him a lot. I was. Yeah.
1: Was there actually people after him or was he just always on the run from imaginary, I I guess, uh, people were, I guess, after him, uh, maybe indirectly, like, you know, I'm sure they wanted to question him about various things. But I mean, like, there wasn't like guys in suits chasing you in the documentary that you were featured in the Netflix documentary, like, he's always on the run from people. But like, you don't see like guys in suits chasing him down the dock as his boat takes off. Uh, I mean, like, were there actually people after him?
3: That's the million dollar question. And I have a lot <laughs> of insight into that. Um, so you you don't see it in the documentary because it was never recorded. But a lot of team Backfew members and security personnel and people like me witness weird things. It's profiled very much in the book because, you know, the film is really this. In my opinion, it's this incredible body of behind the scenes footage And the director, I think, you know, Charlie Russell, I think is brilliant. He wasn't trying to craft a narrative. He was trying to show you John behind the scenes and allow you to decipher whether you thought he was a good man, a bad man, crazy, brilliant, or all of the above. That's what he wanted. And so I'm taking it another step with the book and telling all the stories that didn't get to make it into the film, which is, you know, 95% of the content that I had. And a lot of that content deals with, That question, is John paranoid or are people really after him? And I was working with him for a few months at at the point when I went on the run with him, supposedly from the SEC. However, as we were on the run in this four-car motorcade with 16 armed personnel, and I was in his SUV, and he was just you know chain-smoking from a jewel. He was drinking scotch, and it was 11 in the morning. He was waving his gun around, scratching his beard with the barrel of his gun, And he was off his fucking rocker. You could tell he was extremely paranoid. He had open sores all over his arms that were bleeding, you know, because he kept scratching. Yeah. And I and I finally I said, you know, John, like, cut the shit. Are we why are we on the run? You know, the SEC, what are they going to do? Like, give give us a subpoena and send us on our way. That's why do we need guns for paperwork here, man? And he looked at me. He finally was seeing me for the first time since I arrived on the scene. They picked me up in Nashville, and he said, sir, we are not on the run from the SEC. I was just trying to stir shit up and get on the news so that all the cameras (laughs) – it's crazy – so that all the cameras are on me. However, he said, we're not on the run from the SEC. We're on the run from the Sinaloa cartel. I said, fuck you. No way. Come on. Don't say that. He said
1: we're not on the run, but also we're on the run.
0: Correct. We're on the run from
3: the people we really don't want to be on the run from. Right. I mean, we do if we want to survive. So I didn't believe him. And there's this really awkward exchange in a McDonald's parking lot in which he berated this poor girl with purple hair who was like, you know, taking a selfie with her camera coming out of the McDonald's. But he thought she was videotaping our motorcade. So he had all the security surround her, had the girl in tears interrogating her. She had the unfortunate distinction of being named Lizzie Borden. And that didn't help. Oh, the yeah, situation. that doesn't help. Not really. Wait, you know, Alex,
1: it was, not to cut you off, but you no, were. Mc- sorry. Did, did you, did you guys eat McDonald's?
3: I don't. <laughs> I was going to say, because really that like something
1: he said to us. Cause we asked him when the last time he had McDonald's was, and he said, he doesn't eat McDonald's.
3: That's bullshit. Okay. He ate McDonald's all the time. His okay. favorite was a Big Mac. <laughs> yeah. He, so he had a lot of these little white lies, but I'll get to that. I just want to, that's probably on the know, lower end
1: of the lies. It, it
3: is yeah. speaking of lies. We got back in the car. I said, John, I was about to finish my sentence. Like, why did you you do that to that poor girl? And he gave me the last name of this supposed uh, cartel kingpin that I hadn't heard of before. And I said, what? And he said, that's who's after us. I bugged their computers. I hacked them. They know I did. This is back in 2012 in Belize. I have all of their information. They don't know where it is. So they keep an eye on me. Real close eye. And when I leave, they follow me so that one day they can get me in a room with plastic sheeting. They can s- snip off my fingers one by one, ask me where it is. I said, you're shitting me. And he, he made a phone call. And on the phone call, he he put it on speaker. And it was a it was a Mexican man, I believe. That was, I mean, he was Hispanic. I'm not sure if he was yeah. from Mexico. But he said, sir, you know my ghostwriter doesn't believe me. I'm telling him that I know you and that... We're on the run right now and that your people are following us. Can you just announce your name to my ghostwriter? And the guy did. And I looked it up on my phone. And sure enough, there are all these indictments against the guy. Uh, he's He fell under the kingpin periphery with, the fed, with federal law enforcement, all kinds of crazy shit. And John was telling me he was uh, one of El Chapo Guzman's guys, one of his top guys. And he ran the drug trade in all of Central America. And this really opened up the door to my understanding of John's affiliation with the cartel and with other entities that he bugged and that he spied on and got him into a lot of trouble. So he was paranoid. And I'm not saying this is factually true because he could have hired someone in advance, in hindsight, to but that's play a, that role. That's a role. really
1: weird thing to do.
3: <laughs> it is. But he did social experiments like this all the time. He did the first time I met him. He, I was under a social experiment. I couldn't yeah. tell anyone my name What I did, if I did, I would be fired on the spot, but I passed the test. So it's really it's up to the imagination. I don't ever want to definitively state these things are factual, you know, with the cartel. But John told me a lot of crazy information that would indicate why he's paranoid, why he's an alcoholic, why he's a drug addict. You know,
1: you were you working on the book that I guess you were hired to write? Like, were you writing as John? at some point or did it just never materialize
3: or that's, that's a really funny question because I'm a ghostwriter by trade. As you know, that's what yeah. I do for a living. I was hired, not necessarily as John's ghost, but my pitch to him because he said, I don't want to pay anything. I don't, you know, it's, it's a big enough story. I don't need to pay anything. And I said, all right, in that case, I want my name on the cover and I want 50% of everything. And he said, that's bold. That could get you canned. <laughs> I said, well, that's fair. (laughs) It's called the collaboration agreement. If I do all the writing, I'm going to put my name on it and I'm going to have 50%. He said, okay, fair enough. So technically I was going to be his biographer, you know, a ghostwriter writing a biography. So
1: it was going to be Um, John. It was going to have both of your names on the title.
3: Correct. Uh, Yeah. And it crashed and burned because we fired each other after I discovered some unsavory things that John had done to somebody that I knew that I met through Team McAfee. And it was enough to cross the line with me. And, and in fact, there are a few things that really crossed the line. I started uncovering the secrets of the real John. Yeah. Not the media John, not the crazy John, not the guy in the movies John, but the real John McAfee that he didn't want you to see. And I saw him because I was the guy hired to be closest to him mm-hmm. and I didn't really like what I saw. So you fired each
1: other, uh, amicably decided to part ways, I guess. Is that, <laughs> is that the way to
3: is I don't. I don't think it was amicable by uh, any means, but he he had fired like 17 people, 17, 18 people that I'd come to know and care about and that I worked with and that I, you know, that I met through Team McAfee. He fired them all, accused them of being spies, of this crazy shit of embezzling funds when in fact he embezzled funds from one of the Team McAfee members. Crazy stuff. And I was one of like three people left. There was Jimmy, there was Ty, and there was me. Yeah. And so at some point, you know, he, we got back from Europe. You know, we'd been on the blockchain cruise and we hung out in Barcelona and uh, got kidnapped. That's another weird story. (laughs) But I got back, I got back from Europe and I was just sort of decompressing and processing all the crazy shit that I had just heard and seen and witnessed. And he said he wanted to get me on the phone with Samantha. Who was his girlfriend, ex-girlfriend in Belize back in the day, and she had all this information, but he didn't want me to announce that I was on the three-way call.
1: Oh, he which, just wanted you to eavesdrop?
3: Yeah, and I I was very uncomfortable with that. I thought that was really weird. Yeah. I agreed to do it if she knew, and he just ignored that. We set a time. He was two hours late. I finally he said, All right, we're ready, sir. I got on the call and it was just rambling and it was long. And then he said, Sir, I want you available at my convenience every day until we're done talking to Samantha and I said, john I'm really busy i'm not you're not my only client okay like yeah. i I have a schedule, I have a family I'm going to adhere to that schedule I'm sorry, but that's the way it is, so let's just establish times that work for you in advance, and I'll be there doesn't matter when and so I did, and for two more days, he would be super late, you know he'd establish an eight o'clock meeting when log on until 1 a.m. and I'd be asleep so he was pissed he called me he said son because he was calling me son at that point um you uh you missed the meeting last night and I said actually John I I didn't you know I was just uh I went to sleep because you missed the meeting he said okay sir well can you please make it tonight at uh, seven o'clock I said yeah that's fine no problem I'll be there thank you I was at dinner with my girlfriend at the time whose grandpa just passed away and she's really sad and I was trying to take her mind off that yeah And then I got this barrage of angry text messages from John telling me, fuck you, you're not a writer, you're a disgrace, you are a scam artist, you're a faker, you'll never amount to anything, this and that. And, you know, I can't believe you missed one meeting, but two is unforgivable, you wasted my time. And I wrote back, that's fine, you know, see ya. And he was just beside himself, so he called me, because he couldn't believe it, you know, I threw away this this project that yeah. might have netted us a lot of money because sure. I had a top agent in New York telling me six figures, potentially even low seven, you know, and the biggest story of my career at the time and spent six and a half, seven months on it. But my integrity was strong enough. I was like, I I already know he did this thing. I believe he did this horrible fucking thing. So, you know what? Goodbye. It was yeah. a perfect chance. But he called me. He was screaming at me, saying all kinds of crazy things, lobbing insults at me and i just said no he said no fucking what i just said no you're a fucking psychopath i'm not working with you again because he was trying to get me back yeah and he hung up I me. And that's how john and i ended our you know was that the last time co- you talked to him that is the last time i talked to him
1: and how how long does that line up before all the Uh, crazy stuff that went, well, I guess everything is crazy, but I I guess, uh, you know, he's not really dead, right, Alex? I mean, like, I I, (laughs) I was going to say before he died, but I mean, he's, he faked his death, right? He's, he's hiding somewhere. Do you think he's really dead?
3: I personally think that he's dead. I think he, he lost all of his power. I think probably Jeffrey Epstein is still alive. That guy had a 150 billion dollar empire of blackmail and deceit and working with uh, intelligence agencies and john had his rodeo with that sort of circuit as well but then he lost access and he, he lost that control and he lost the power so when it was announced he would be extradited to america where presumably he would sing like a bird to get a commuted sentence oh, fuck sorry that's my furnace but he would sing <laughs> hey i live in a log cabin man <laughs> You know, it's from 1972. Yeah. But he likely would have gotten a commuted sentence if he talk, talked about some of the crazy stuff that he had on other people. Yeah. But uh, someone, I think, got to him before that could happen. Huh. Or on the adverse, he maybe got a manila envelope and he saw it on his bed when he got back from chow time and he opened it. And it's a picture of Janice where she was residing currently in Barcelona and it said, it's you or her. And if John had any conscience at all, and I think that he did, towards the end, I think he probably would have just offed himself to protect her or something like that. That's how some of these people work, you know?
1: Yeah, so give him a reason to. I guess he he probably didn't kill himself because he didn't want to go to America, because I think he would have been fine. He seemed to be very comfortable
3: with jail he didn't Um, want to go back to america he was he was gonna they had a plan in place to fight the extradition yeah you know it was already anticipated so he and his lawyers and janice they had that all ready to roll right that's why but the the original
1: thing is is that he didn't want to get extradited and so he would have killed himself to avoid that and i don't think no i don't think that That doesn't seem likely because he probably would have had fun uh fighting it and all of that
3: yeah um, yeah, he I think he would have. And I don't know, doesn't really hold water. But I got to say, when three, four weeks after he died, I got this notification on Telegram. John Mcfee joined Telegram because I still had his number. And I thought, what the hell? <laughs> so I wrote to the person. Yeah, isn't that weird? I wrote to the guy. i sorry. I don't know if it was a guy it could be a yeah. woman. I don't know. I said, hey, you're using a dead guy's phone. What are you doing? Who are you? Yeah. What business do you have using his phone and they read my message and didn't respond. Like a few hours later I believe the account deleted. So I never got an answer from that. And I always thought maybe it was maybe it was Janice, maybe it was one of John's lawyers, maybe yeah. it was the feds, maybe it was John. I don't know.
1: Well, he he's still tweeting,
3: so Yeah, Janice is anyway. Oh, is I it believe. Janice? Yeah, using his account. Yeah.
1: The the book it's out today. It's called uh, "The Man Who Hacked the World: A Ghostwriter's Descent into Madness" with John McAfee. Um, uh, when you're when you're done with all of this, when it's finally over, like, do you just kind of like, whew, like breathe the sigh? Like, are you still screwed up about it?
3: No, surprisingly, not at all. I mean, I was during the writing. I gotta admit, people ask what was it like writing this book because I had to write about how I lost my my mind on the streets of LA when I was right. 19 and got it back. And then I also have to write about how I sort of lived with a madman and worked with a madman for so long. It's two tiered. Right. And so I tell people it was like an exorcism, you know, writing this book. <laughs> I wrote it in like three months, you know, <laughs> uh, but three was, months,
1: geez, it, it like flowed out of you.
3: It did. That's it, fast. It did. It was very fast. And that's why we were able to meet our hyperspeed schedule. Our publishing schedule was eight months instead of 18. It just flew right through me, man. Yeah. I mean, I, I also went sort of method actor on this thing, and I was drinking John's favorite scotch at night. I'd be up until two, three in the morning writing and listening to our recordings. I have a few dozen hours of recordings with him. And he talks about the darkest shit, the funniest stuff. He talks about his librarian phase. When he just slept with librarians for years and only <laughs> librarians, so it's like it's just all over the spectrum. I know I would be up, you know, two thirty in the morning with a glass of scotch, and I'd be laughing my ass off. And yeah. my girlfriend would say, "What are you doing?" Oh, sorry, honey, it was the librarian face thing again. You know, she's like, Oh, okay, yeah, no worries, I understand. What it what
1: skill set do you think best? contributes to being a good ghostwriter like a, like a novelist or a journalist or it does that make sense because yeah i mean you're not like writing journalism necessarily because you're kind of writing as another person like but but you're not writing fiction either
3: so well, you can there are fiction ghostwriters i've ghostwritten fiction in the past i've ghostwritten a lot of different genres it depends on the genre, but primarily the difference between a journalist and a novelist and a ghostwriter is that a ghostwriter, unlike the other two, they have to set their ego at the door if they know what they're doing. Right. And they have to embody that person. It really is like method acting. Like Daniel Day Lewis, you know, he he built the set of the crucible with his bare hands. You know, he and the boxer, he trained for two years with a a champion boxer, and by the end of it, the the coach I mean, the the former champion said that Day Lewis could have been a champion himself. If he was that good. Hmm. You know? On the set of gangs in New York, he wore period clothing. He he caught pneumonia and he was so uh, the rumor is he was so in DiCaprio's face all the time as this villain mm-hmm. that DiCaprio popped him, broke his nose, and that's why he's got a crooked nose. Jeez. And people, good ghostwriters have to do that. But a lot of ghostwriters, they just take the transcripts from interviews and edit them and say, Oh, I ghost wrote a book. No, you just edited transcripts. If you want to do it right, you got to get into the mind and soul of this human being. Mm-hmm. You got to embody them. It's a weird gig, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't, I think I'm able to do it because my ego shattered when I was a kid. Yeah. And I mean, sure. I have an ego. Everybody does, but it's a little different for me now. I think that's why I never cared that my name wasn't on the cover. I had, Number one Amazon bestsellers. I had eight of them, but I didn't care that people didn't know I had written them. It doesn't matter to me. I just like writing.
1: Where where should I send people? What's the best? I guess Amazon, or do you have like a preferred uh, link?
2: Oh, it'd be or- better.
3: Yeah, it'd be better to go to Turner Publishing. That's my publisher, and get the book because you can sign up to their newsletter and get ten percent off. So you get a few bucks knocked off, and they have be- awesome books coming out all the time. So yeah, that, I term- that's probably Turner's the best. One of the bet. big ones, right? They're not one of the big ones. They're getting bigger. When I was in LA about a week and a half ago, they had just acquired a new imprint. So they're they're based in Nashville. But they uh yeah, they're pretty big. They have a lot of books. They have a lot of titles. Great ones too.
1: Well, Alex, we appreciate your time, man. It was fun talking to you. And uh I, I mean, I, I'd I, say we do it when the next one comes out, but we won't know when the next one comes out, will we?
3: <laughs> Actually, I'm transitioning as uh becoming more of an author. I teamed up with James Patterson's co-author, who host me on a podcast and he liked it so much he asked to see my work and then he said let's emulate james patterson's writing model and you know let's take on one of these fiction series you had you know when you were 21 so we're actually working on that now
1: that's really so
3: i might not be ghostwriting a whole lot more we'll see we'll see well good luck
1: with the book man thank you thank Thank you you for doing this
3: thanks Um, for having me on take care you too see you see you
1: Cody Foster. It is a good time. Get his book. It's called uh, The Man Who Hacked the World. It is a good, good. Uh, th- that documentary is great. Travis. you watch that documentary? It's, it's so good. That documentary is so good. It's so good. <laughs> it's the fucking John McCaffrey. He lost his that goddamn guy, mind. That guy is a fucking content machine, Travis. Oh, like, yeah. I'll watch him do anything because he's mm-hmm. so fucking interesting. Um, yeah, I a
2: thousand percent agree. Like even when it's just just like chilling, it's it's amazing. And then just constantly abandoning their posts, like whatever. They, we gotta go.
1: Yeah, we almost left you behind. We gotta get out of here. <laughs> yeah, like he's just like pointing guns at people on the boat, and they're just like, "Yeah, I'm le- I'm leaving. I'm gonna go home." Yeah, I don't want to get guns pointed at me
2: anymore, John. And then they walk out, and all they can hear is him snorting cocaine off of Janice's.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Travis, you have a pick of the week, something you want the people to know about? Yeah, Travis's pick of the week this week is a motion picture
2: called Vengeance, uh, written and directed by B.J. Novak, also starring B.J. Novak, about a journalist who decides he needs to come up with the new great podcast, Uh, has a bunch of ideas, they don't work out. All of a sudden, he gets a, a random phone call in the middle of the night from somebody who says... Your girlfriend's dead. Your girlfriend's dead. And it's her brother. And it's somebody he had like a one night stand hookup with. Uh, So he flies down to uh, Texas to go to her funeral, decides to make a podcast based around what could have possibly happened to her Um, recording her family uh, and all that kind of stuff too. It is, it's really good, um, goes in directions that you wouldn't see coming. It's a comedy, but it's not, but it is. Ashton Kutcher pops up in it. There's all sorts of great cameos. Um, Vengeance is now streaming on
1: Peacock. I like that movie. I don't don't think I had that as a pick of the week, but... uh, Did you watch it? Yeah, I watched it. That movie's great. It's good, right? Yeah, it's good. It, it, It ended not the way I expected it to end, Me neither. Uh, But I was like, oh, yeah, no, that's good. Yeah,
2: really, really, really enjoyed it. Uh, You know, I heard about it and it was popped up and I was like, oh, we should watch this. And the wife and I watched it and we both really, really enjoyed it. Um, I do hate and I will say this uh, and I've said it before when uh, Zach Braff had that very short lived sitcom on ABC (laughs) where he was a professional podcaster. Yeah,
1: he made a business a podcast podcast
2: business. business. And I was like, Get the fuck out of here. And I kind of felt the same way at the beginning of A Vengeance uh, because there was like a podcast company yeah. uh, that he was trying to get in bed with.
1: And I was like, get fuck you. Come on. Travis, I think that like we don't podcast right. Like we get mad when they make this other podcast stuff, but I think they're probably doing it right and we're getting mad for the wrong reasons. Well, that's a
2: fucking podcast. These, those podcasts are them, are people taking over the pirate radio thing that podcasts were you know what i mean like it's like that that's what we are
1: we're pirates
2: yeah people saw that there was like money in it and they're like oh let's uh create a multi-million dollar company and we'll we'll uh hire conan o'brien to make a pod it's like
1: (laughs) get get the fuck out of (laughs) here they're corporate stooges
2: yeah they're fucking stooges this is uh this is real grassroots shit baby
1: Mike, you gotta you gotta you got a pick of the week. Pick of the week. Uh there's a band I, I think it's the Gila band, like a gila monster, G-I-L-L-A. Uh they're uh they're not very well known. They have a new album that just dropped. Uh it's called Most Normal. Uh I enjoy it a lot. Uh it's good time. It, it's kinda it's grungy, it's dirty. It sounds like they smell bad, Travis. Oh, I love it when bands smell bad. <laughs> <laughs> like they sound like they haven't washed their hair in a really long time, Travis. Oh, so, yeah. you know, I, I I enjoy them. Uh give them a give them a listen. Uh is the Gila it might be Gila Band. I don't know much, Travis. I, I heard one song that I really liked and then I checked out the whole album that just came out like a week You ago. don't you don't know much, but you know you love them. They're kind of great, Travis. So. Uh guys, we did it. Uh you got a real quick
2: uh, we can't go an episode in 2022 without uh, your celebrity
1: life pick, Mike. Oh, oh, the celebrity life pool. Oh shit, you got one, Travis. Give me a minute. Yeah, I'll okay. go while you uh, while you're looking for
2: one. I'm gonna uh, Google old
1: celebrities,
2: old people. <laughs> Travis's uh, celebrity life pool, celebrity life pool pick of this week is uh, a 78-year-old sports broadcaster, Al Michaels. Uh, He's uh, now uh, doing commentary on uh, Thursday Night Football on Amazon Prime, and I got to tell you, he's in the prime of his life. That motherfucker does not give a shit and will say whatever and talk shit about Amazon Prime's original content. He will talk shit about the games that he's commentating. Uh, I love Uh, This new Al Michaels,
1: (laughs) the new Al Michaels, new
2: Al Michaels. And I can't say 2.0 because the dude's 78. Uh, So whatever this version of Al Michaels is, I am a big fan.
1: Travis, I'm catching up. Uh, 91 year old Robert Duvall is my uh, celebrity. Robert Duvall's 91, 91 years old. Travis, haven't seen him in a while. Don't know his status. The last
2: time we saw him was probably that uh, motion picture with Robert Downey Jr. The judge. Travis, I love Robert Duvall. He's I love Robert he's Duvall as well. fucking great. Travis. Yeah, he's amazing. Yeah. He was uh, hearkening back to, and I know he's gone goes way back, uh, but his character in Days of Thunder, uh spectacular.
1: Travis, you remember that movie where him and Michael Caine are like old brothers that like have a bunch of tigers?
0: No, that movie
1: fucks, Travis. That movie's so good. I think Haley Joel Osment comes out. And lives with them. Oh, is this secondhand lions or whatever? Sure, that movie's awesome. Yeah,
2: it's a good movie. Uh, I I need to watch that again. That's a good one. So I, I highly suggest everybody go and and, and have a weekend uh, uh, Robert Duvall film festival. Just because he's going to
1: live for a really long he's time. He's going
2: to live for a really long time. But I mean, come on. It's getting cold out right now. It's like 30 degrees here. Winter is kicking in like, uh, you know, wherever you are. Weather's probably changing. Why don't you go ahead
1: and plan a Saturday Robert Duvall film festival? And then tell us what you watched. Tell us. Yeah. Send us a a tweet and say, I watched a Robert Duvall movie. And also tell us if there was a horse in it.
0: Life pool pick of the week checking in at 91 years young, James Earl Jones.
1: Listening to this installment of WFOD? To enjoy our back catalog, visit wfodshow.com. Be sure to share the show with a friend. Thank you to our Patreon sponsors for their continued support: uh, Bad Poet Society, The Rabbit Poundings, Valerie Carpenter, Brian Kranz, and our North Star, Liquid Lozenge. If you would like to donate to keep this pirate ship afloat visit patreon.com slash WFODix, follow us on social media email any of us with your our name and uh at wfodshow.com in the end or leave us a voicemail at uh, 636-487-HAND.com we'll be back next week hey subscribe on youtube and uh, twitch or uh, apple podcasts or .com Stitcher, wherever it is that you listen to it, subscribe to it so that you get the newest episodes Uh, Yeah, thanks. See you next week. Bye.